Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always. And today we are joined by an old buddy of mine and good friend, Carlos Redlick. And Carlos is a highly sought after direct response copywriter and marketing consultant. He's worked with all levels of entrepreneurs, from six figure startups to nine figure mammoths. As he travels the world and learns about new cultures, Carlos's primary mission is to, is to deliver as much value as possible to his fellow marketers and copywriters. He helped me learn to sell back when I was just getting started, and I know he's helped others generate tens of thousands of dollars with better marketing. So I've asked him to join us here today so we can all learn from his experience. So Carlos, thank you for joining us, my bud. How you doing, man? Hey, what's happening, man? I appreciate you having me on the call. I know. It's been, man, it's been forever. So Carlos and I, back when I first launched, all my followers know I used to have a martial arts school. And Carlos and I, we used to get a, like everyone, if you've seen Wolf of Wall Street, and they're like, sell me this pen. That was Carlos. we get on the call and he'd be like, all right, Daryl, sell me this pen. And we like go back and forth and talk about, hey, I had three appointments and this guy didn't buy because of this. And so we go, we go way back, man. Um, you know, I remember the first time I met you was at, it was at the last system, system seminar. seminar. That's right. Yeah. And I remember who you were because um, one of the people that you were asking so many damn questions and it was good questions. <laughs> I just remember. And you were the only dude asking questions for the most part, like every five minutes, like this guy's hand would go up and he was, I, I, I believe you were in a, in a tie, I could be wrong, but I remember I, something. Remember, like, were you wearing a tie? You, you, yeah, probably, you probably. I don't know. I don't, the one day I was, yeah, yeah. The one day I was in my, yeah, I remember, yeah, I was. Dude, so I remember this because the person next to me was was hating on you. They were like, "God, this guy will not shut up," or this. And I remember this, and I was like, "Oh, that guy is a winner." And so afterwards, I, I remember I hung out, or it was storming outside, and I came back into the, when everybody had left the seminar room. I came back in, and it was you and like a handful of other people, and I think Alex Goad was his name. Whoever yeah, was, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I remember this because it was such like a turning point in my life because you were one of the influences because you were close enough to me. And when I say that, I'm like, I was a martial artist. You were a martial artist. You had a school. I was like, okay, this person I can kind of relate to. You know what I mean? And so I remember seeing uh, Alex giving us advice or something like that, and he pointed at you and he's like, "You've got it, man. You got the fire. You're a winner, or some shit like that." And I was like, "Fuck, I need to be like this guy, Daryl." So I remember getting. You probably don't know any of this. I remember getting your business card, getting all that info, trying to give you some kind of tips to get you onto like the top YouTube, of YouTube, yeah, keyword stuffing my YouTube videos, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was like, I need to give this guy some value because he's gonna blow up one day and I gotta stay in loop. So you know, a decade later, it's kind of cool to to finally be on a fucking podcast. I've been masterminding this shit forever. Yeah, no man, it's been fun. It's been a long, wild ride. Yeah, that was. I mean, that was with the early days. That was. That was when you could just keyword stuff, and we used to dominate Google, and you could still do that now by just by having all of our stuff on different pages. That actually worked, though. I put, I did the 10 by 10 by 4, which is 10 commonly asked questions, 10 should be asked questions, and then you have four videos, like your opt-in video, a video you stick on the end of those 20 videos, the question videos you got, and like an upsell video. And it was, I was just pumping them out there, and it actually did really help generate leads. That was the last system seminar, so that was like. For anyone that doesn't know, Kim McCarthy's been on our show a few times. He's the godfather of internet marketing. Perry Marshall, Eben Pagan, Frank Kern, Jeff Jeff Walker launched the very first like product launch formula where he got his beta users at Ken McCarthy's one of Ken McCarthy's events. So it was like you know everybody kind of came through Ken's systems, and obviously like a lot of these guys, they were already on their way somewhere. And that's, you know, but it, they were they were trying to get the knowledge. They were like you, the listener right now. They were trying to plug in and, you know, I'm trying to get where I'm going. I'm going to learn from everyone I can. 
everyone came through Ken's camp camp at one point in time and then they, he retired. And so Carlos and I met at the very last event. And so it's just, it just sure pays off like how plugging in and communicating and reaching out, how well it can really pay off. And both of us have kind of gone on to do bigger, better things. It's kind of cool to see like the wild ride. So, um, Dude, that was my first marketing seminar. That was my first seminar ever, <laughs> man. That, that must've just knocked your socks off. Like that was, yeah, such- it was a crazy experience. I've <laughs> never seen that kind of stuff. And like, it was unbelievable. And then I heard people talking about these hundred thousand dollar months and, and I was like, what the hell? This is like, yeah. I just want to make a hundred grand a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. hundred grand in a month. I'm not that greedy. I'd be okay with 20. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. No, I feel you on that. So, but how did you even get into any of this? Like, do you come from an entrepreneurial family? What's the background? How, I'm not even sure how I knew. I'm not even sure I know how you even got to owning a martial arts school. Yeah. So it was actually pretty funny. I grew into, I started martial arts when I was about 12 or 13 years old. I'm, 31 now, 31 or 30, 32, 31. And, um, and when I was 12 years old, I was super shy. I was actually super shy all the way through martial art training and, uh, all, well, until I was probably like 25 or so. And, uh, around 20 years old, I had been training for almost 10 years or so. And my martial art instructor at the time, Dwight Woods, he told me, he's like, Hey, you know, why don't you help me teach class and, and stuff like that? So it was a huge honor for me. I was like, all right, this is cool. Like I'm good. And I'm finally like able to teach. But the thing is, even though I was physically good, I really sucked at communicating. So I couldn't talk mm. to people. I couldn't teach. Whatever I was good at, I, I was basically like grunting. I was pointing at my leg, ugh, ugh, do this, do that. Like it was a horrible. <laughs> so he, he saw that and he's like, man, we got to get you to like learn how to sell. And not just not, – not to sell, but if you learn how to sell, you'll be able to communicate. You'll have like a real life. You can talk to people. So martial art. Uh, kind of led me down this path of learning sales, and he pushed me down the path of learning copywriting because I mean he knew I mean, we we had tried it. It was a, it was a really bad experiment. He uh, <laughs> he was like, all right, go talk to a few of these prospects who just walked in, and you know I probably did it ten times, and you know all ten of them never came back. <laughs> it was really bad. I lost him some money. <laughs> You know, and so he's like, all right, well, we still get to teach you some, some sales stuff, but let's pull you away from my customers or prospective customers. <laughs> let's, let's put you over you. here in this little rubber room. Yeah. He said, let's put you in the corner, learn this copywriting stuff where you just, you know, if, if it sucks, it's a letter, we can rewrite it, whatever, you know? So, so I started learning copywriting and it was funny, man. I started diving into John Carlton, uh, Dan Kennedy, Gary, how, everybody. Right. And I was just blown away that all of these people seem to be introverts. Uh, well, maybe not Gary Howard. I've never met any of these guys, right? This is just my gurus from listening to their tapes and all this stuff. So, but I was like, man, all these guys appear to be like introverts who kind of made it. Like they weren't natural salespeople for the most part. Like John Carlton looked like, I mean, from, from what he said, he had to study all these books. He went to the library. He read every book on sales and all this stuff. And I was like, man, so it's possible to actually like make money and still not necessarily be uh, naturally gifted with this stuff. So long story short, I really just kind of kept grinding on this copywriting stuff and uh, and <clears throat> probably like four or five years, maybe four, yeah, about four or five years. So I was probably about 24 at the time. Um, my buddy Vit and I, we were like, hey, let's start a martial arts school. Let's do it. I've got some marketing knowledge now. You know, I think I can do something. So, so we opened up a school in Jacksonville. We moved, uh, sorry guys, I'm, I'm drinking some coffee and it's like screwing up my throat. <laughs> okay. 
So, um, so anyway, we, we moved to Jacksonville from Miami. It was like three, 400 miles or something. I opened up a school there so we wouldn't compete with my original instructor. It's the last thing I wanted to do. He taught me all this stuff, you know? And, um, and you know, we grew it to a hundred people in, in, you know, less than a year, probably like 10 or 11 months or so. And for us, that was like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. We thought it was so cool. But what happened was I was really bad at marketing. I thought it was going to be so good. And the thing that got us a hundred people was me going to the beach because we had a beach it was in Jacksonville, Florida, and just passing out flyers and talking to people one-on-one, getting them to come in for a free trial. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that kind of showed me the power of, of sales, of copy, of all this stuff. And, you know, kind of fast forwarding a little bit, I took that stuff, started doing it online a little bit and was making more money online than I was, you know, teaching at mm-hmm. a school. And we, we had about a nine, ten thousand $10,000 a month overhead just to pay rent, keep the lights on. So it was a lot more stressful running a martial arts school when I was making more money, just hanging out in my boxers. And I was like, all right, I think I'm going to go down this online marketing, copywriting stuff. And, and the rest is history. I, I stuck with it. And within three or four years, I, I mean, I really kind of blew up from not being a, an anybody in the copywriting world to writing for some of the best people that I, I mean, I've even admired, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's awesome. And that's an amazing story. And for anyone that's listened to that, why not you? Like you can definitely do it if you just stick to it. I, I love, I love how none of this is get rich quick, how a lot of it, like, so if you listen to Carlos's story, it started off, the first business he was in wasn't the business that he's maybe in now or ended up in. But the other part was that it started with a lot of learning, studying, applying what he was learning, and a lot of face-to-face time. You'll find a lot of the best salespeople and best copywriters, they have that one-on-one sales experience. We've had some calls where we talked about this before, <clears throat> but if you're thinking that you're just going to be alone on your computer and make a page and you know, the sales are going to come flying out of your computer. You really have to get into the mindset and the head. You have to be comfortable with sales conversations. You have to, before you can do it in print, you typically have to do it in person because you have to understand how the conversation goes. That's so true, man. I love how you said that because one, I mean, just kind of to keep, so people have some context, uh, I still stayed within the martial art world. I actually have an online community on Facebook called I Love Jeet Kune Do. And so I kind of just, instead of doing stuff, in the physical gym world, I just went and started doing it online. And man, it's uh, it blows me away how many people don't call their customers. One of the things that I've done to write the so, like certain promos or emails to my list, and the reason I know what buttons to hit is because I've actually called these people. And before I even sold them anything, what I did was I ran a lead ad on Facebook to generate people's contact information that were interested in my little 60, this isn't a, a $1,000 mastermind program. I'm selling to martial artists, right? They make like 50 grand a year maybe. Mm-hmm. So the, I mean, I'm selling a $69 program, but what I did is I got maybe like 50 or 60. I, I, I'm, I'm rounding the numbers because really it, it, I don't remember. It was probably like 50 or 60 calls or something. And uh, we got all these, I got all these leads of people who are interested in this product. And I called them up and I said, you know, hey, I really appreciate you taking the call. I saw that you were interested in Jeet Kune Do. Um, are you still interested? Yes, I'm still interested. Okay, cool. Well, let me ask you a question, man. What is that really got you interested in learning martial arts? Why are you trying to do it? And so originally, I thought these people were going to be like 20 years old, and they just kind of wanted to learn to be a badass and be ripped and be like a UFC fighter. But it turned out my market was totally different. They were about 40 years old, 50 years old, and they just wanted to learn how to defend themselves because they thought the world was going crazy. They said, dude, America and Canada and the fucking world, everything is going nuts. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to be able to take care of my family without a gun. 
And mm-hmm. so that was a huge turning point for me. And I was like, man, if I would have never called these people, do you know how many tests and how much money I would have lost just trying trying mm-hmm. all these different angles? When instead you can just generate, you know, 50, 60 leads or whatever, call them up, ask them, you know, a handful of the same questions, and and they will tell you how to sell to them. They, I mean, especially if you're in a non-marketing niche, uh, you know, it's mm. unbelievable for anybody who sells online or sells anything really. If you're selling to marketers, if you're a marketer selling to other marketers, that's fine. But it's just it's a little bit harder to use your dirty little tricks, right? Because right. they're already aware of them. But if you're selling to people who are totally unaware of marketing and their sophistication of marketing isn't so high, but they just want your product and you're asking them genuine questions, well, man, you can see some really huge results. Just by you don't even have to be that good. You just have to be a little bit better than your competition. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that's a really important thing we should point out here. That's something whether you, especially if you're a local brick and mortar business, you don't have to necessarily be the best in the world. You just have to be better than everybody else in your like in your vicinity. And that's yeah. really powerful. If you think of the the ten thousand hour rule, right? Ten thousand hours would be world class at anything. I mean, work on those ten thousand hours. But if your competition have only a thousand hours. You know what I mean? Like it's, it could be so, yeah, you can get ahead of so fast, so fast. Well, and the thing is most people don't stick with anything long enough. Like I've been in, like I've been in the client writing, copywriting game for only four years, maybe. Mm -hmm. I've been writing since before that, obviously for my own stuff and my gym and whatever. But I mean, writing for clients and really kind of leveling it up was maybe the last four years or so. I've worked with about 160, 170 people. And man, it's uh, the number one thing I've seen between all of those folks is none, well, not none of them, the ones who are really successful, they stuck with it. So when I wrote for them the first time four years ago when they were first starting their project and, and, you know, you know, they, four years ago, I probably wasn't as good, but they, uh, when they didn't see results in their business immediately, they still stuck with it. And now four years down the line, they've got seven, eight figure businesses and a lot of the other folks that I wrote for, especially in the beginning, they because a lot of the, when I was writing in the beginning, I was writing for cheap, so you kind of work for people who are just starting out. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting thing to see, right? All, a lot of the people who I started, who who you know stuck with it, obviously were successful, but most of the folks, I mean, maybe ninety percent of them or more, just hopped around. They didn't see success in their first funnel or their first launch or whatever it was. And like, okay, well, uh, you know, obviously I can't do this on Facebook or I can't do this on you know. For some reason, they gave up and they just didn't stick with it long enough. So if you stick with something long enough, whether that's a service, like whether you're you want to be a great web designer or a great copywriter or a great whatever. I mean, if you just stick with it for a handful of years, you've like beaten everybody else because they're going to encounter the first five failures and be like, ah, screw this, man. I'm going to do something else. This Mm -hmm. this stuff clearly isn't working. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's that's so true. And even when we had uh, in martial arts in the martial arts niche, I'm you go to any tournament, you see. I'm hearing some echo. I'm hearing some echo. I'll turn my volume down a little bit. Turn my volume down a little. There we go. But you'd always see that like the newbies coming in, there'd be like 300 white belts. There'd be like 100 blue. So for those that know, at least in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it's white, blue, purple, brown, black. And there'd be like 300 white belts, 100 blue belts, maybe 50 purple belts, maybe 10 brown belts. And you have two black belts. And that just shows you how long people tend to stick with stuff. Because they start at the beginning, you know, everyone that's a white belt, they're less than a year. The blue belts and that are, you know, a year and a half or so. A year and a half or so. And it just, you know, goes on from there. Goes on from there. Yeah, a hundred percent, man. I mean, I I don't know how long you want to rant about it, but I mean that that 
principle alone is like my favorite principle. Consistency has been like my savior. Like I'm, I'm, I, I don't think I am the absolute best copywriter in the world at the moment, right? But I, I am fairly sure I'm the most consistent copywriter. <laughs> and when I say consistent, I am consistently working on new projects and I'm consistently getting that shit done on time. The thing that most cop and this is stuff you want to identify if you're in business, right? Where, where, where do my colleagues fall flat on their face? And if there's any copywriters on here, then you want to listen to this because this is how you can instantly differentiate yourself without doing really anything. Just do what you say. So most copywriters will say, hey, this is going to take four weeks. And then the, the, the deadline comes around and they say, hey, I need another week. I need another three days. I need another you know, two weeks, whatever it is. And they're every single time they're late. I have personally hired copywriters and it's the same shit. They're always late. So when you know that, if that's like a big defining thing, you can easily separate yourself. And it's just being consistent at being on time. And that's it, that could literally be your USP if everybody else is late. And it, mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous how much how many clients come back because they're like, dude, you know, obviously your stuff works or whatever it is, but you're always on time. Like if you say it's going to take a week, I want it done in a week because I want to run this shit. And if it doesn't work, they know I'm going to rewrite and revise and whatever it takes. But you got to stay, you know, sticking to your deadlines. It's It sounds so common, but so few people do it. Well, for you, you found out that that was um, a, a major point of contention for your market, that that was a main deliverable, I guess, to say that that people wanted. Now, I think that, like you said, when people stick with it, especially getting on the phone, they'll find out from their prospects and whoever what those what those leverage points are. Now, you said talked about how you've worked with a lot of people over the years and seen what was going on. Do you notice any habits, aside from sticking with it, are there any habits between the guys that you know started and now the guys that, are doing, seven, eight the guys that are doing seven, eight figures? Yeah, 100%. All the, I mean, first off, all the people that, and I call them winners, right? And the only reason they're winners isn't because they've made money. It's because of their behavior. These guys are, and, the, and gals, I've worked with two ladies that are, are literally crushing their partner in partnership together, crushing it. And- I mean, they just have this drive that it's uh, – I don't want to say it's, – it's not like this 24-7 work ethic hustle, hustle. It's not that. Like they probably work four hours a day. You know what I mean? But, but it's just like they are, they are on point. They're, they're consistent, yes, but they're just on point. I don't even know how to describe it. Some people dabble in their business. I think was it Frank Hearn or Kennedy or one of these guys. There, you know, some people are dabblers and, and what – the majority of the people who don't succeed, they've just kind of dabbled. They're one foot in, one foot out. They've got their 20 exit plans when this mm -hmm. one doesn't work and all this shit. And, and a lot of the other people I knew were almost naive in a sense. Like they didn't necessarily know what they were getting into. And I've talked, we've had conversations about this. Uh, like, I mean, I've talked to my buddy uh, Ryan and he was, I was like, dude, you've got like a, a an eight figure, like eight, $9 million per year. It's almost an eight figure business. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. it's ridiculous. You know what? And he's like, dude, if I would have known how much work and all this stuff and all the shit I would have gone through, I probably wouldn't have even started. He's like, I would have just mm -hmm. stayed a sales guy and made yeah. a, a nice company yeah. six figures. And I think that's it's important to kind of understand that a lot of these folks just jumped in. They they may have been a little bit naive about, you know, what what it's about to take or what it's going to take or, you know, what's going to happen to them. But that, you know, being that naive and just kind of saying, fuck it, let's just do it, and just sticking with it the whole way through, that's one of the things that I think has differentiated a lot of the folks I've worked with. Mm. Now, mm. now, you're seeing, uh, you're like, seeing uh, like an approach that's working the best for them. So when you say like sticking with it and that like 
So with the clients, what types of marketing campaigns do you feel are working really well right now? Are, is it, is it freebies? Is it like, what do you, like, what are you having the best experience with? The best experience with? Yeah, definitely. So uh, it's, it's actually the same thing I'm, I'm modeling in my martial art business because it's worked with a lot of my clients' business is developing a monthly backend income. And one of the ways you've got to do this is you don't ever sell the monthly program up front, right? That's one of the things I had to learn. I was testing. I was saying, hey, join my $69 a month deal. And sure, I had a handful of people sign up, but it wasn't really any momentum. So one of the things that's working well, and this is actually something, it's not necessarily new. Agora, uh, like a bill, which is a billion-dollar direct marketing company, has been doing this for like 30 years, but it's, I guess, revolutionary now because more people are doing it, is uh, they just sell the premium. And so what I mean by that is instead of selling people on my monthly martial art program for 69 bucks, which is all digital, I sell them a uh, get these free nunchucks in the mail. And, uh, you know, after seven days, I'll bill you 69 bucks a month or whatever it is. And so you sell people on the premium, on the bonus or whatever it is, and then get them into the monthly backend program. My buddy Albert does this really well, and I won't give away, you know, his secrets or anything. But this is actually he revealed this in a Facebook video, so you know, I, I don't think it's too bad talking about it. But he's got an e-com uh, business or multiple e-com businesses, and a lot of people who sell physical products. The thing with that is they can make a lot of product when they they can make a lot of product. they can make a lot of money when a product scales and it crushes. But they're always one-time winners. There's always like, fuck, okay, I, I crushed six figures, you know, in this amount of time. But now I'm, I'm done. That product has run out. It's run its course. I need to figure out a new way of making money. And so it's kind of like this hamster wheel constantly trying to get new business in the door. And so what he did is he's like, well, I got to figure out some continuity stuff. So he uh, I, I believe on if not all of all of his products now, uh, most of them, at least if you buy anything, whether it's a T-shirt or a sweater, whatever it is from him, you get upsold to uh to some kind of monthly program i think it's 29 or 39 bucks a month or something where you get uh i don't even know what you get i think it's like a digital thing to be honest but whatever it is that's what he's doing and it's uh and it's crushing and he even said the same thing he's like i gotta sell the premium or i gotta sell a product first and then the the membership is secondary so if i was going to give out you know any piece of advice i would say definitely do whatever you can to build up that monthly continuity because with Facebook, with all these things happening with social media, people are worried. Like my ad account on Facebook has been shut down like six or seven times. Mm. It's fucking ridiculous. Mm. And I don't really sell anything that's that non It's like nunchucks. So they consider it a weapon. So, okay, that's non-compliant. But there's people selling really hardcore stuff. And so if, uh, if, you're, if you're able to get shut down that quickly, you've got to build A, your list. But B, you've got to build that monthly money. And right. – uh, if you're not doing it, you're you're really setting yourself up for a, a big failure coming up. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Subscription is such a huge part of every business. I mean, it's not a one-time sale. You want to have something that's got multiple sales built into it because otherwise – Another way to look at it, and, and this is all – you just kind of have to play around with it. But sometimes instead of the monthly deal, you can sell the year up front, and that works better because typically people will stay on a membership for about two or three months – and then they drop off. So let's say people are paying uh, 70 bucks a month for my membership and they last three months. So what is that, $210? Um, obviously, I'm shitty at math. I'm better at copywriting. But let's say it's $210. <laughs> okay. well, what if I sold them a uh, $250 yearly membership and I just bill them one time? Well, 
that's way better. I make more money and they're still a customer and they don't have to worry about rebills. So the way I like to look at memberships is let's, I like the monthly income, obviously, but sometimes you can calculate out what a year membership would be and you can actually rebuild people on a yearly basis. The thing with that is you want to make sure you stick with them and there's marketing in between so that when you rebuild them, you know, 200 bucks or 300 bucks a year, they're not freaking out and asking for chargebacks mm-hmm. or refunds. Right. Yeah. Chargebacks is a big thing you got to be careful about. Um, for anyone that's not aware of what that is, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's almost like your reputation with the credit card companies, the billing companies, chargebacks are like a, you really want to be careful, avoid getting those as much as you can. Otherwise it'll cause you a lot of headaches. hundred percent. You know, one of the things that can help people who have like drop shipping businesses or businesses that take long, have long delivery times is send folks a thank you letter in the mail. Don't just send them an email. Emails are great and you can automate that. But if you send a real thank you letter in the mail, maybe even include a little gift in there, a free little bracelet or a free something, that stuff goes a long way. And people will not refund, you know, even if it's going to take three weeks for what they originally bought to get there because you're actually a nice person and they you're keeping them in the loop. So a lot of times these people will, will freak out and they're like, hey, I bought something and it's been a month. I just got scammed. Right. So that's a logical thing. Like that's that's people people in the dropshipping business are like astonished that they're getting all these refunds. And they say these customers are assholes and they suck. I'm like, no, they dude, if I pay for something and it takes yeah. four weeks to get yeah. here, I'm going to freak out. I'm like, I just got ripped off. So let's put their mind at ease. Treat them like a human being and send them a letter in the mail saying, hey, I, I actually I, I got this for three different niches already that I sell in. And it basically says, you know, dear friend. Thank you for ordering XYZ product. We're a little bit backed up. That's our fault, not yours. Uh, I've enclosed a free bracelet. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember it by heart, but I've enclosed a free uh, bracelet as an I'm sorry gift and also giving you X percent off on uh, your future order on our website. And I have like a couple other things and I have a nice little genuine thank you. And that's it. And it's a one page thing. You just mail it out. And people think it like, damn, I got a cool bracelet. I get to rock some cool stuff. You know, I get a little discount. Okay. They may have upsold me a little, but still cool. They, they kept me in the loop. My order is going to be here in three weeks or four weeks down the line. Cool. So now they're in the loop and, uh, and that'll help reduce refunds for sure. Yeah. And it, th- you don't even have to go through an apo- like that works if there is an issue, but if you just know, like it's two, three weeks to deliver, having a postcard to go, it's really easy to have, uh, like a, that sort of stuff automated. I've been doing that kind of thing forever. I almost have like a template that we use, and it's just like a basic thank you, like hey, thank you, you know, shipping is outside of our control. We just put it in a box, get it out. You know, how long it's going to take depends on you know the postal service, but we're sending you this thank you card because you know love you, appreciate your business. Blah, 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 you know, and we're here to help you X, Y, Z. And like you said, like some sort of coupon or incentive to buy again. I think that just, yeah. That extra touch, man. And in, in, a, in, the, in a world where everything is on the internet, if you can get physical, it uh, it helps, yeah. right? And calling someone is a, is a form of being physical, in my opinion, right? So calling someone up and saying, hey, did you get your order yet? Like little shit like this that I think normal businesses did in like the 1950s or something. Mm -hmm. And for some reason with the internet, we just got super lazy. You know what I mean? No one may, there's a lot of folks who may not pick up the phone, but if I get a call from someone 
and it said, hey, you know, we just want to call and follow up and make sure that you got your massage chair on time or whatever it was. You know, did everything get did you get everything hooked up? OK, yes. OK, awesome. Well, if there's anything else you need, here's our direct number. And is there anything else you want to order from us or blah, blah, blah? with me? That, that may not be the right copy. But what you know what I mean? Like you can upsell them. But just giving a genuine like follow up call like that's so powerful. It's ridiculous. Yep. Yep. So we've talked about a couple of things I want to recap quickly. One was just having staying power, staying with it, because you're, you know most people underestimate what they can accomplish in three months, uh, or sorry, they overestimate what they can accomplish in three months, but underestimate what how far they can go in three years. So that's a big one. Uh, so sticking with it, being driven to succeed and on point and like invested and both feet in the project. I've been told a few times like you can't make a business successful as a part time like part time businesses won't go anywhere because you won't have the focus and attention that it needs to actually grow. And we also talked about a couple other things. One, there has to be pool in the water. So there has to be like a market that you can engage with, a community that you can reach out to. You want to prove you can generate leads. You want to make sure you're talking to the right people, getting on the phone with them, talking to them in person first. That way you can uh, you know, know what they're about and make sure that your copy, your offer, all that stuff is in point. It'll go way faster if you do it in person versus if you just you know, if you just put a page up and cross your fingers and hope. And I love that you mentioned that having something with a monthly back end. So finding some way to turn a one-time sale into some sort of ongoing subscription program where there's ongoing service or knowledge or information provided somehow, something that provides like a, you know, a base level of income to help afford everything else, you know, and, and it may not be the big rainmaker in the company, but it'll help cover your cost of doing business. So in between, you know, if you have a seasonal business, you know, in the off season, you still have income coming on in to help you cover your bills and everything like that. I think that's just such an important thing. If anyone listening to this doesn't have a, a subscription, a membership portion to their business, they need to figure out a way to do that. Because otherwise, it's just a really hard life to try to have to make it off one sale again and again and again and again. 100%. 100%. So uh, what would you recommend to anyone starting out and struggling? What would I recommend to somebody who's struggling? Well, you, the only reason you're struggling, it's like two reasons. When I was struggling, I didn't have leads. And then when I ended up getting leads, I sucked at selling. So I couldn't convert those leads. So I would figure out, you know, I would personally, you got to learn how to sell, whether that me that's on uh, the phone or in person or whatever that might be. And the best way, and I know I hate just saying you got to learn how to sell because that's such a blanket set, like that you can't really take that and now become a good salesperson. Right. right. <laughs> so, so the the easiest way I've been able to just kind of like show my friends like here's like the basics of it is just interview people. Like at first you're gonna be really kind of crappy at it. But just take your your sales call as an interview call. And if you're doing anything cold, always make it two steps. Don't make it one step. So here's what I mean. Don't go for a one call close. If I'm cold calling you to try and sell you like a website or something, I'm gonna you know call you. Hey, ring, ring, ring. Hey, can I speak with Daryl, please? Hey, you know, did I catch you at a bad time? You're gonna say something like, Yes, you did fucking catch me at a bad time. You know, what's this about? I say, Hey, my name's Carlos. Uh, I really wanted to see if I could. Uh, show you how to how I could build you a website, generate more leads and whatever, you know, but I want to get your time tomorrow at a better time or some shit like that, right? Would you be available? You always schedule the appointment. Um, so anyway, just as a principle, if you're going after a cold audience or doing any kind of cold calls or any kind of cold sales, whether it's online or offline, always make it two steps, right? Mm. If it's cold on Facebook, you drive people to a lead magnet, 
And then that's your first step. You warm them up with emails and then you hit them to your sales letter on the second step, right? Two steps. If you're doing it on a phone call, you hit them for a, an appointment on the phone call. On the first phone call, you try to get an appointment. On the second phone call is when you try to close that appointment on the sale. So my biggest advice for somebody who's struggling is learn how to do that stuff. And if you're unsure on how to sell, always ask questions and think of yourself as just kind of like a little detective. So if this person is asked, the person who asks the question is kind of the winner, right? The person is kind of controlling the entire thing. So if they're asking you, hey, what's the price? What's this? What's that? And you're just responding, answering back all these questions. You think you're super fast and super cool. Well, they're going to get all their questions answered and they're just going to say, all right, well, I'm done. Goodbye. And if you flip the script and say, hey, yeah, the price is this, but what kind of niche are you in? Let's see if we can actually help you. Oh, okay, cool. And how long have you been in that? And have you seen any success? What are you selling? What, how long have you been selling it? Is that the best product? Do you have old ads that I could see? You just go into a full investigator mode. And now what that does is a couple of things. It, it takes all the pressure off of selling because it's really just customizing a deal for them. And one of the things is once you, you kind of ask them all these questions, you gather all of this information, they literally tell you how to sell to them. And so you repeat that back. And so the secret is you interrogate them and then you say, okay, cool. So after they've given you all the answers, let me just make sure... Uh, I'm totally clear on this. So what you want to do is X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Is that right? Oh, yeah, that's exactly what I want. Okay, perfect. So for that, it takes it's a $5,000 investment, 50% up front, 50% afterwards, and it takes five weeks to complete. Is that something you'd be able to, to do? Yay or nay? You know, like, get to it. But when you're able to do that stuff, man, it's like powerful. I, really powerful. It's really powerful. powerful. You could close one deal and make five figures. It, it, it's insane, you know? Yep, yep. And when it comes to asking the questions, I love that because I think that's a really helpful and useful thing to do, like just interview people. And so for the questions to ask, a great acronym is SPIN, and it's based from a book called SPIN Selling, S-P-I-N, Situation Questions, Problem Questions, Implication Questions. So that means like, you know, does having this problem mean this? Does, you know, like, does, do bottlenecks uh, happen because you only have two people who know how to do this? You know, are you experiencing this because of this? And what's that, like, what's the implication of that? And then the next one is needs. You know, like, do you feel that you would do better if you, like you said, like in the nunchucks, like, do you feel you could protect your family better if you knew how to fight you know, one opponent. Do you feel like if you were properly told how to punch, what like creating a need, uh, the need, and that's where you're trying to under undercover the underlying buying motive. So it's situation questions, problem questions, implication questions, and need questions. And moving through those different types of questions are really going to help uncover meaningful conversations. And it's it's how you close without being salesy. It's how you close without being salesy. I think that's really important. When you ask the right questions, the the need the buyer has just emerges, and it really becomes uh, transparent for them that they need to do something. And if you're standing there right in front of them when they have that realization, and then you just say, "Well, this is how you know. If you're interested, this might help you with that. This is how it goes. You know, all boom. You know what I mean? I, I forgive me. I feel like I've I've omitted words in my sentence there. But I think it just, I think it, it becomes self-evident. Dude, no, I love it. I, you're absolutely right. I wasn't even aware of spin selling. I, I'm going to go get that book now. That's badass. That's but I think that's, I mean, that's basically the more scientific and real broken down version of just 
like I was just saying, ask questions. I mean, if you want to ask the right questions, do it. Do what Daryl's saying. That's fucking awesome. Um, but I and I and I agree, dude. I think that's if you can just do the the question thing. It doesn't matter how bad of a salesperson you are. You can't help but be genuine, right? You're just asking about this person's business. And if uh, one of the things that I personally like to do is I like to pre-frame all of my calls with the price. Like they they know there's a general price. Like I'll say, okay. Uh, if are you looking for a sales funnel that's generally ten thousand dollars or more and, and whatever it is but before we get on a call they have an idea of the price but even if they don't my biggest suggestion is when you're on, <clears throat> when you're on a call to to close right this is a this isn't a cold call this is a call to close we're here to do business after you've investigated and done all this stuff present a proposal over the phone i'm not saying write it out and mail it to them present a proposal over the phone that includes a time frame and includes a price and whatever the terms are for the price because if you don't do that and don't handle that over the phone or face to face or whenever you've got direct access to them it's it's got a super low chance of closing super you could spend an hour on the phone with somebody and it won't work in fact most of the people that i close are for ten thousand dollar plus deals and we close the conversation in less than 30 minutes it's like a 20 minute phone call and it's it's because a we've pre-framed the price beforehand a little bit on facebook or through email i just give them a rough estimate of what the price is I get on the phone, I do the exact same thing Daryl was just talking about, but probably less organized, which is do the interrogation and ask them all these questions. And then I say, okay, cool. And this is, it's, you know, the whole thing about not even being salesy. I like that. And it's, you know, but you have to understand, like people want to buy shit. So you've got to give them the price. You know, a lot of folks are just so scared of offering their price, especially when they start offering high ticket prices, you know? And uh, you can't do that. You got to just be able to, go, you know, go for the fucking jugular and, and give them the price because they're okay with it. They want to know what it is. They don't want to waste time. If you spend an hour on the phone with somebody and don't give them a price and say, hey, I'll send you a proposal and, you know, through email or something, which is how most people do it, dude, you're not going to close them and you're not going to close them quickly at least. So, so anyways, that's, uh, oh, I wanted to give a quick tip after you do the thing where you, after you do all these questions to, you know, figure out what it is that they need after you've regurgitated their answers and said, okay, cool. Let me be clear and make sure I fully understand what you want. It's X, Y, and Z. Is that correct? Yes, that's correct. The, you know, a basic transition that I do, and it's, it's pretty, you know, it's seamless. It's natural. You, you just say, okay, based on everything you just said, here's the plan that I think would work best. Is it okay if I share it with you? Yeah, that's great. Okay, cool. So I think we should do a landing page of this or that or whatever. Uh, the total investment for it is going to be $20,000. It's 50% upfront, 50% afterwards. And then it's a, a seven week deadline. And I hand you stuff throughout the, you know, every week or whatever. Is that a budget that would work for you guys? Oh, I don't know. Blah, blah. Hey, no worries, man. Um, the budget doesn't change. That's that. I mean, that's kind of the price. But on top of that, what I also do to stick with, and this is the guarantee, you know, so you can just plug in whatever you would do here. You know, one of the things that I like to do is I stick with you. So if, God forbid my copy doesn't convert right out the gate. I stick with you. I rewrite it and make sure it works. Does that sound fair to you? Yeah, that sounds fair to me. Okay, perfect, man. And when are you looking to get started, assuming we're a good fit? Because what I've done there is I've asked when they actually want to get rolling, but I've taken the pressure off by saying, if we're a good fit, like you decide, you tell me if we're a good fit. But if you're asking this stuff, trust me, you're a good fit. They're already liking this. People love this this type of smooth sale, right? Um, it's not complicated. It's not awkward. You know, you've dropped a big price, but you've given them uh, the terms, the deadline. <clears throat> 
and stuff like that. So hopefully that helps. I don't know. I really hope it does because it's literally saved my business. This whole asking questions, regurgitating the answers and saying, based on those answers, here's what I think the plan should be. Here's the cost. Here's the deadline. And also, if it sucks, I'll re I'll stand by my work and revise it or redo it or whatever it is. Uh, I mean, that literally covers every single objection somebody could possibly have. Price, no worries. 50% up front, 50% afterwards. Okay, how, how long is it going to take? I've already given you that. Well, what happens if it bombs? Are you going to run away with my money? Nope, not going to run away with your money. I'm going to stick with you for three tries, make sure we get this thing right. How can you hate that type of person? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, no, it was good. It was good because it just transitions into, hey, you told me X, Y, Z. I feel like uh, having heard that, I think this is, would be a good plan. Can I share it with you? Yes, okay. Here's what I think would work. This, this, this. And now what you're doing is you're entering a conversation. And conversation. that's what the that's objections what would just objections be hammering at the details. They're not even objections. They're not even objections. They would be handling, no, hammering at the details of the deal. Details of the deal. <clears throat> you can't be afraid of that. Done, this is a huge point. It's like super critical. When you do this whole asking question, and I probably glossed over, but it's like the most critical element that makes actual, the close actually work, is that when you've asked like all of these questions however many it might be and then you've regurgitated those answers back to them you've essentially just told them i know your problem i know your frustration and i know exactly how to solve it like you've literally just i mean you you set the tone right from the beginning it makes the, it makes the close way easier you know what i mean it's you've literally asked them to spill their gut i call it the spill your guts part of the close there's two points where i, I get them to do this um, but anyway, it's called the spill your guts part in my version of closing, right? So if they're spilling their guts and then you're just regurgitating what they just spilled, man, it's uh, it's very powerful. It's very powerful. It literally shows powerful. that you're on their side. And there's nothing salesy or pushy about it. It's having a conversation. I love how you said take the interview approach. Dude, there's nothing wrong with it. And I don't mean to sound like Cardoni or Grant Cardoni or whatever, because, yeah, and I hate preframing it like that, but whatever. Like, dude, there's nothing wrong with sales and shit. People love buying. The thing is, when people hear sales, they think of the used car salesman who's pushing you and, and, and not, and, you know, charging, you know, 20 times the price of the car or whatever it is and really trying to screw you over. And then after they screwed you over, they're in the back room, you know, congratulating and high fiving each other, saying, yeah, we got that guy, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just. I mean, we've evolved, I think, past that. And so there's obviously going to be some shady salespeople and all that stuff. But if you personally know that you're doing a good thing, if you're not, if you're selling something good, it's not snake oil and stuff, then you should have no shame in charging a lot of money. Because if you don't charge a lot of money, you're A, going to go out of business and B, you're just not, if you've got any kind of family or maybe you don't and you just want to take care of yourself, you're not going to be able to do that either. Right. So, um, I, I this is kind of like a, a maybe a, like a little internal thing, but I just feel that if people feel that they hate the salesy stuff, you just got to get over it because it's it's more of an internal thing. You feel like you're being a con artist. That's really what it is. That's why you feel uncomfortable. But when you realize not, not confident, yeah, yeah, I'm not being their own product con artist. I'm literally I'm di I'm asking the customer or the prospective customer what it is they need. I'm doing more than any other salesperson who just says, "Here's what you need. Here's what you need." I don't know what they need. Mm -hmm. Let me ask them. And then they're going to tell me and I'm going to say, okay, cool. Let me make sure I'm clear. Just think about that. As a, Think if you were the boss and you had an employee and the employee, every time you gave them a direct like order of stuff to do, they're like, okay, boss, let me just make sure I get this right so I'm crystal clear. I have to do this, 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 and it has to be with this time frame and blah, blah, blah. Is that right? 
That's perfect, Bobby. Okay, great. Get to work. Done. And it's like, dude, I mean, wouldn't that be awesome? Of course it would. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anyway, that was my little rant. <laughs> no, I love it. So where do you think is the future of like online marketing and sales? Where is that going? Man, I think the future is going to be more of a combination. The, the people who are winning are doing a combo of digital and physical. So uh, my buddy Albert, for example, he's got a physical store, but I believe his uh, monthly program is uh, digital or something. It's not physical. I, excuse me, I don't think it's physical. And, and, and so I think the future is going to be really where it's always been is using all multimedia marketing, right? So we're going to do stuff online, but if you're able to get uh, an address and make it cost effective to send a, a letter for like 47 stamps or 47 cents or 46 cents or whatever it is, I mean, you're going to win. You, you, as Dan Candy says, you're protecting your herd more than the next guy, right? Or he says something like that, <laughs> right? Yeah. You're protecting your herd. So the future of online marketing, I think, is going to be – it's going to be funny. You, I, I really think that we're going to have some guru out there. Maybe it will be me. I'm not a guru yet, but maybe this will be my, my rise to fame. I'll make direct mail you know, make direct mail great again for some shit, right? <laughs> Show you how to, how to uh, sell to your current customers. And I do this with all my clients. If they're selling a high-ticket program through a webinar and they're, uh, you know, if the value of that customer is like, you know, $2,500, dude, send them a freaking letter in the mail. All of your abandoned carts, what what if we abandoned mm-hmm. cart direct mailed them and shit? Like, wouldn't that be cool? Send them a little CD from Kunaki for like a dollar or something. Like, you can do mm-hmm. so many creative things and you could capture that sale, but a lot of folks are, are limiting themselves and they're saying, hey, we've got all this unlimited power on the internet, but they're still limited to the internet. They've got to do more. And I think that's really the direction we're heading. Mm, right. You can't just be a lazy marketer anymore. There's too many people online. You have to actually become a savvy marketer and a savvy relationship builder. Yeah, absolutely. You can start making money online and stuff, but if you want to last, I mean, uh, I'm not talking about just making one hit wonders every year and trying to come up every year. I mean, like, you want to build a long lasting real business. You're going to have to evolve past just internet marketing because internet marketing evolved from direct mail. All of this stuff that's revolutionary, this free plus shipping stuff has been – like we were doing this in the 20s during, with space ads. You know, mail me 20 cents and I'll mail you a book. And then that book would upsell them into like a $3,000 program or whatever it was back then. You know, so nothing has changed. And, uh, it, you know, so anyway, it's, it's all the same stuff and I just think uh, – you know, how free plus shipping became revolutionary online. It's like, you know, it's, it's really not, it's going to, I think direct mail and all that stuff is going to be revolutionary, but not for prospecting. I don't, I don't think you can make money prospect. Maybe you can, but uh, I don't think so. I don't even think Agora does it. They're like a billion dollar company. They don't prospect through direct mail anymore. They do it on the internet and then they send direct mail to their customers to upsell and shit like that. Right. Um, so anyway, that, that's what I would do. Yeah, no, I think that you hit the nail on the head. Generate your leads online, market to them online and offline. 100%. And if you're selling anything on ticket, you've got to have a salesperson. Call them a coach, whatever you want, but get a salesperson on. It's just insane. Like People have these $20,000 programs or $1,000 programs because they've been told that's what you got to sell at. And so they just crank out these big programs. 
but they don't have like the infrastructure to really sell it. They've got one method to sell. It's Facebook ads to a webinar registration page. And if that webinar flops, it's obviously the entire business must suck. And I'm like, dude, no, not at all. You just maybe try another angle. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you maybe just don't do the yeah. webinar route. Maybe do something else. Do like an old school lead magnet with a 30 day email campaign, sending them to a good old fashioned sales letter. Maybe that'll work, you know? So yeah, yeah you just got to test it. Yeah. Going back to consistency, they'll see the, 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 that one thing and they won't have all the infrastructure in place to make, to really scale. And then when they don't really make the money, they're like, ah, screw this. It doesn't work. Or they go to something else. I'm like, dude, you, you probably had a gold mine waiting to be found in your business and you just gave up on it, you know, three months down the line, a year down the line. It's insane. Like, like I, I don't even get it. For the first year of our gin business, we made like zero money. Like my rent, my half of the rent was four hundred dollars a month for my apartment. the The gym was fucking ten grand a month, basically. the My apartment was four hundred bucks a month, and I was barely making four hundred dollars. I was making like three hundred dollars a month um, because the gym's overhead was so big. So when I see people, and maybe this is like you know, when I hear people coming from the brick and mortar field, you know, there's like a huge disrespect for internet marketers because like, come on, you lazy shit. Like, good, you made a lot of money in two months, but like, can you stick it out for two years? And I think that's, and that's a big separating factor. A lot of people get, you know, brought into the online world and shit, you can make tons of money and really quickly, but it's all perspective. Like people feel like, oh, I haven't made a million dollars and it's only been five years. I'm like, dude, people haven't made a million dollars in like a lifetime and shit. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. So the, the speed online is still fast. It's just, if it doesn't happen in three months, people don't think it's fast. They think it's, I'm like, dude, it's been three months. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, people who pay rent and have a, a haircut or a barber shop, like they're laughing at you because they're like, dude, I'm, I'm in this for like five years. I don't even expect to make money the first year. Shit. Like what's going on with you? You can't stick with it. Yeah. So, so yeah, man, you gotta, what, what's Dan say? What's Candy say? Like you gotta develop this stick, stick to itedness or something. <laughs> oh, maybe, but it's, it's the system of onboarding and acquiring customers. Mm. You had a system with your martial arts school going down to the beach and I had a script and that was like generating money on demand. Right. Oh, hundred percent. Whenever I needed a new suit, which was every day, we would go down to the beach and, uh, and you know, back then I was in shape. So I would take off my shirt. I wouldn't dare do that now, but then I would take off my shirt and work out and then I would, you know, try and flirt with girls and that wouldn't work. So then I had to learn to approach them and start giving them and guys and old fan, old people, young people, fan, everybody was getting a flyer. And since flyers, you know, they cost money, even if it's not a lot of money, when you're broke, it's a lot of money, right? So I was like, well, I need right. these flyers back. Like these motherfuckers can't keep the flyers. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. So I would, uh, the pitch was something along, like the only way they would keep the flyers if they, they scheduled an appointment for a free training. So I basically walk up to people i'd run up to them i say hey 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 you know i'm not crazy real quick here check this out and i would i wish you could see me but i would put what we would call put product in hand i would put the flyer and i literally put it in their face so they had no choice but to like slap me or grab the flyer right so they grab the flyer and mm. i'm like hey I, I just opened up a gym right down the street would you guys be interested in learning martial arts for free for a week and, you know, some people would say yes, some people would say no. The people who would say, oh, I don't know, you know, I'd be, hey, no worries. And I'd grab the flyer out of their hand. Like, I would just grab it out. And these people were, it was basically a takeaway sale. So they were like, well, I didn't even get a chance to see the flyer. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to talk to as many people as possible. Here, check this out. Um, you know, we have this program, this program, and this program. 
do you have any availability this week to come in for like an hour to try out a class? Uh, yeah, I may have. Okay, awesome. And you probably have like two or three friends that want to come with you too, right? Well, maybe. I don't know. I got to see if the class is good or not. Hey, no worries, man. Um, so does this time work on 6 p.m. on Thursday or whatever? And I would schedule them and then I would get a pen and I would say, here's my name. I write it on the flyer and I'd give them back the flyer and say, awesome. I'll see you on, you know, Thursday at 3 p.m. or 6 p.m. or whatever we scheduled it. And so that's how we built the gym or that was one of the ways we built the gym. It was, it's, it was really, uh, it was really funny. It was almost like a survival mechanism. I couldn't afford to just give away flyers. Like that's nuts. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, it's so funny because you hear it's almost sometimes i miss when we were in our earlier days how hungry we were like at fighting weight do you know what i mean how scrappy yeah dude i'm the same way now i don't give a i mean i don't want to cuss on this thing but uh, i i don't think i i if anything i see more success now than i did when 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 i was at the gym and i just like i've never lost that i still and i don't know if this is a good thing or not but i like when I make a sale, I calculate and it's probably, it's actually comes from a scarcity mindset, not having it. Right. So I'll calculate, okay, I got $20,000 at the bare minimum. I can survive like four months on that or three months. Or <laughs> right? and, so, and I'll stack another 10 grand on top from another deal or five grand here. And I'm like, and I calculate all this stuff. And so for me, like I have enough to last me more than a year and not even fucking stress. But in my head, I'm like, well, what happens if like Facebook goes down? Like I've got this apocalyptic feeling and I wish I could get rid of it. I actually, I don't like, it's as soon as I wake up at like 5.40, 5.30 or whatever in the morning, that's the first thing on my mind. And I'm like, dude, I need to do something. Like, like I, I start having panic attacks and shit. It's weird. And I, I'm not like, like it's ridiculous, man. I don't even know. So I feel like, if I make $10 million, I'll probably be the same way because it, it, like I have no reason to stress now. And that, I mean, right now, look at it. It's like 744. We've been on a call for about an hour and like I could do another three of these because I feel like I want to leave a fucking legacy. I think everybody feels that way. I don't know, man. When, when I feel that scrap, when I, when I hear like, oh, you know, we were scrappy. I'm like, dude, we're still scrappy. We're ready to fuck shit up, man. Like I want to be the only copywriter in the world to be dropping all of these books that I'm dropping, fucking speaking on stage actually producing results for top companies like Agora. I mean, there's very few copywriters still in the game that are really pushing it to that limit. And I want to, I mean, a lot of the, like Clayton, Makepeace, John Carl, all these guys are legends. I'm not as good as them. I want to be as good as them in the next 10, 20 years. And right now, the way I look at it is I've got to do all the legwork now. I got to speak as much as I can, get as many podcasts like this one as I can, um, do all these things so I can be that John Carlton, Clayton, Makepeace, Gary Halbert. I mean, in my head, this kind of where where I'm at. I'm playing. I have like a ten year game, man. I'm ready for this shit for a long time. And I think copywriters, you know, and this is more of the competitive side. And so I'm just kind of talking shit now. But I don't think copywriters. <laughs> I don't think they can swing with me like that, man. I don't think they're gonna do it. Most of the copywriters that started out with me that we used to like chat back and forth, they're fucking working at jobs right now, not doing anything. Like they can barely make three grand a month. And I'm like, damn, that's fucking. It makes me feel bad and good. I'm like, good. Fuck you, I'm winning, you know. But at the same time, that like I want to help them. So it's a it's a weird thing, man. It's a, I don't know, I don't know. I don't think I lost that scrappiness. I think it just got more aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's good. Well, that's you, good. Don't you don't want to lose it. You never want to betray the behaviors that get you where you yeah. are. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. I got this little bracelet. Oh. If any of your listeners want it, I'll mail it to them for free. Just you know, free plus shipping. Give me three bucks through PayPal, and I'll mail it to you. It's a bracelet. It says, "Always get paid on one side." and take no shit on the other side. So 
it's uh, it's kind of like the Carlos Red Lake Two Commandments. So if you want it, I'll send it to you guys for free. Plus shipping. Yeah. How do they get? Well, it? Send me. Uh, uh, see, I don't. I actually just got these yesterday, so I don't have like a cool marketing funnel set up. Just add me on Facebook, Carlos Redlick, R-E-D-L-I-C-H, and then send me a private message, and uh, I'll hook you up. There we go. So go check out Carlos Redlick, R-E-D-L-I-C-H. Yeah, on my Find him on Facebook, profile. send him a message, say, Carlos, send me that bracelet. That's right. And I'll send it over to you, man. Up. I'll send it over. I sent like 10 of them today. So it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> So, Carlos, this has been a really good, action-packed, really content-rich interview. People listening to it may want to go back and listen to it again. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Man, that's a good question. Um, is there anything you didn't ask me that you should have asked me? No. I'm sure there is, but I can't think of it. I'm really trying to think of something. I, I, you you really did a good job asking me stuff. Um well, it's funny because you said that before that this guy was always the one made me laugh when you said that at the conference. I was, you know, the one asking all these questions because I've been <laughs> here on a few times for that. And I've and I've landed some big deals because people are like, you know, man, you ask a ton of questions and you ask all the right questions. That's just what I've been told and heard. I don't know if it's true. 100 percent. You're a great interviewer. It's why you've got a successful podcast. <laughs> it's, you, you found what you need to do with your life. I think it's good stuff. <laughs> So, all right. Well, thank you for joining us, Carlos. It's been such an honor and a pleasure to grow with you over these years. It's just great to catch up with you right now. Thank you for taking some time to share with my audience and myself. Um, for those that are interested, definitely reach out to Carlos. Follow him on Facebook. He's got a great following, tons of value. If you like this, you're going to get a ton more through following him on social media. And if you reach out to him, let him know you heard him on this podcast. He'll send you a free bracelet. Um, so yeah, check it out. Carlos, man, appreciate you. Looking forward to the next 10 years. 100%, man. I appreciate you having me on the call. You've reached the end of our interview. Now, first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, what can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better, and your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.